guys. Welcome back to the Lightly Salted Podcast. Happy Thursday. I hope you're all settling into this time of year easily and well. It can be such a stressful time with holidays coming up and just shorter days to get everything done. So I hope that you're finding times of peace and just taking every day for what it is. In today's episode, we welcome my brother Matt onto the podcast. I was very honored to get to have this conversation with my big brother. There are so many directions that life can pull you, and I think it's really important to make sure to spend time with the people that you love. I'm really glad my brother and I got to have this conversation because I learned some things about him that I didn't even know, and we also got to record an awesome conversation at the same time to hopefully inspire some of you out there. This is my takeaway and reminder that people are always fighting their own internal battles. And if you really want to know something about someone, I think just asking and opening that door for conversation goes such a long way. So Matt is four years older than me, and he has been such a big motivational figure in my life. There are so many things that I've learned from him over the years and just life experiences that we've been through that have really bonded us. Matt is truly a jack of all trades. He's a real estate agent and land developer. He's an artist and a writer. He's a coach and a bodybuilder. We really wanted to get him on the podcast to talk primarily about bodybuilding, but Matt has also been through a very in-depth journey of self-discovery that we talked quite a bit about as well. I hope this conversation makes you all feel inspired and motivates you to push through the most painful moments in life because you can always make it out stronger on the other side. So let's get into our full conversation. Okay, so um, let me turn that off. That, that will be happening all morning. So Sundays are for some reason a shit show. I'd... We can get into a little bit of that too. We can get into a lot of good stuff. Yeah, here. we can talk about your schedule. Yeah, everything that you do. It's life. We'll talk about life. Well, this is just a conversation. We're hanging out. I know. This is the best way. Honestly, I love to do these. I've done a few things like this now for many different uh, reasons, but I love to do them more in an authentic setting, obviously interviewing and there are questions, but yeah, we're just hanging out, you know, that's yeah. all it says. So. It makes it so much better. Mm-hmm. We always find like our guests get so comfortable by the end. I mean, obviously we're comfortable because we're siblings, but yeah. like. But even that, when you put the camera and things around, yeah. when I was first doing them and stuff, you get all anxious and I, I noticed other oh, people yeah. too, uh, you get. Uh, just don't even, it's not even here, you know. Yeah. Same thing with Rooney filming. Like, I don't even know he's here anymore when we do that stuff and we'll go out with people. Yeah. And I can tell when people that are new doing it, hanging out, just getting, having them shoot, they'll be all worked up and like, yeah. You know, tense. It's like, dude, he ain't fucking here. Just hang out. Everybody, uh, right. Just doing a regular day, you know. So I did like what he made, like the videos and the um, photos. Those looked good. Yeah. yeah. It's an expensive camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does cheap. a good job. So, welcome to the pod. Thank you. <laughs> Um, we always ask our guests the same like initial question. So what are you feeling grateful for today or this week or like in this season of life? I'm feeling grateful for, uh, I, that's a big practice of mine in general is gratitude practice, but mm-hmm. feeling very grateful for life in general and opportunities and a lot of positive shift in my life that typically this time of year, especially for the last three years has not been the case. It's been this time of year is like just tragedy and, mm-hmm. uh, 
for the first time in yeah, three, four years, I have a lot of new doors opening, a lot of things that I'm, I'm just very grateful for. So yeah, um, yeah, life is, life is great. That's good. I'm happy it's for you. It's good to hear me saying that too, because yeah. I'll tell you what, two, two years ago, three years ago, that was not the case. And yeah. yeah. It's funny, like life always shifts for people. And the more that like we're around each other and the longer our relationships go on with certain people, you get to see like the bad, but then the good times that they experience and everything in between, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can very easily assess it in someone too, the more that yeah. you get to know them. I've even gotten quite good at assessing that in people just in general, looking at someone and knowing something's going on. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So I want our listeners to have a really good understanding of who you are and the person that you are because I could say it in my words, but I want to hear it like you say it in your own words. Explain who I am. Explain the <laughs> yeah. people behind all this. Yeah. Explain like who you are and the journey that you've been on. Yeah. Um, before we do that, can I quick preface this now that mm -hmm. we are getting into recording? Yeah. Um, to all of my student athletes, uh, really quick, this is probably going to get to be very just authentic and raw. Um, before any of you listen to this, go and talk to your parents. Either A, get approval, have them maybe listen to it first. And then if they say it's okay, then you can listen to this. That's coming from Coach Matt. You cannot listen to this podcast until you've got <laughs> the, the approval from your parents. So, um, yeah, a little bit about me. I don't know. I'm a goofball. I do a lot of things. I have a lot of hobbies, far mm -hmm. too many. Um, I don't want to say that I actually love all the things I do. But um, bodybuilding is obviously going to be a big topic of discussion here. But uh yeah, I don't know. I, I am someone that just tries to find ways to create value in my life in many different outlets and uh, find an appreciation for all the other people's outlets in their life as well. Um, mm -hmm. I've gotten re really big focused into uh, personal development and um, kind of helping others to see that within themselves in the last few years here now. So that's been a very fun and exciting journey, a very emotional journey. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I like to paint, I like to write, I like to bodybuild and train physically. Um I like to have been really, really been enjoying reading a lot lately, um, which is something that I did a little bit in the past, but not nearly like I have been now. So yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I am obviously in the building and real estate and, and investment for land development uh, businesses. So yeah, uh, that's a whole journey of its own that we can maybe touch into a little bit if you want as mm -hmm. well. But yeah, we could uh, make several podcasts out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I feel <laughs> there like you go. <laughs> we could talk about so many things. We can go three different routes. I'll bring yeah. me on when Nikki's back, and we'll do a, we'll yeah. another one too. So. Yeah, that would be awesome. So I do want to dive into the bodybuilding first, since that's like what we're mainly here to talk about today. Yeah. I remember the very first show that you competed in. It was, was it like a physique competition? Is that what you were? For like which, the very first one. The very first long time ago. Yeah. Long, long time old. ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Central States. So I was bodybuilding. So yes. Teen bodybuilding. Body, okay. Yep. Teen um, bodybuilding. And then how many have you been in? How many bodybuilding, bodybuilding competitions? Shows, it's, it's been four now. Okay. Um. And there's a very large gap in between there. So uh, in between, I, was, I got into powerlifting and strength training. So yeah, 19, I was I was loving training. It was a great outlet for me. I uh, did very well. Actually, I won Central States that year as a teenager and took second in their men's open class, which was yeah, a very good placing. Um, had a lot of potential there. But at 19 years old, things kind of shifted in the time I was in a relationship, seeing relationship dynamics in that age. Uh, dedicating your life to that much discipline and such is mm -hmm. not always the most fun thing for a partner. So it started to cause a little bit of tensions in a relationship. I didn't want to give up my girlfriend at the time. So I was like, okay, well, you know, quit bodybuilding so seriously and start partying a little more. And uh, it took about two or three years until I got into powerlifting then. So, mm -hmm. yeah, still went to the gym, but I wasn't serious about it. I wasn't training like I was. I wasn't 
you know, cognizant of my diet and such. So it was just more like going to the gym at that point. I wasn't really yeah. dedicated to that discipline, that sport. I really wanted to dive in and understand more about bodybuilding. So I did ask you to do the workout with me and like run me through a little test because mm-hmm. it wasn't like a full on thing, like you said, but like a, a good introduction, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I feel like just the prep that goes into it, like the the way that you prepare for it, how do you build like your workout regimens and like what kind of mindset do you go into when you're going to go work out or train? Absolutely. Um, and that's that's only one piece of the building block. Like the training is very much just a part of this. But uh, training regimens are going to be oriented based upon muscle recovery and, and oftentimes on weak points. So my specific programming is trying to bring up right now my legs and my arms, right? In the world of bodybuilding, you're looking at this as a an art piece that takes years and years to create. You know, you're a sculptor, but you're using blood, sweat, and tears to create this piece of art, you know. Um, whereas if you're just going to the gym, you might not be as hypercritical of that. So the programming will change. Uh, same thing with my strength athletes in powerlifting. Their programming is oriented towards being as strong as they can on their three compound movements, the bench, squat, and the deadlift. While bodybuilding, I'm analyzing myself. I'm seeing where my muscle tissue is, you know, distributed around my body, where I need to bring it up um, to create that symmetry, the aesthetics, the stuff that I was talking about a little bit yesterday. And so it yeah, uh, my programming currently, I'm doing individual body parts with an emphasis on my legs and my arms um, twice a week. So, Okay. Yeah. And you did see a little bit of what that was like for bodybuilding training. It's very high intensity, short rest times, um, a lot of pain. You know, mm-hmm. during some of those leg extensions you were doing, you were realizing that your leg just wasn't really working and it was mm-hmm. didn't feel nice, but yeah. you find comfort in that discomfort and yeah. Yeah. Can you expand on the comfort and discomfort? Because yes. we had a couple of conversations while we were like working out yesterday. That 100%. were This is the most important thing that I can put to any sport. It's, it's not just bodybuilding. This is anything in life. When you can find a really, when you can be comfortable on the edge of your comfort zone and, and pushing that limit constantly, you are in a state of growth, right? Uh, you're inhibited by growth either A, in two ways. If you're just content and you're, you don't have any challenges or B, if you're way beyond your comfort zone, then you're going to, you know, that's how you break. You can't, you need to consistently stay on the edge there and push your limits just slowly, right? Mm-hmm. And so with bodybuilding training, uh, it's it's not fun all the time. It's it's very much displeasant feeling that burn and that pain. So maybe uh, I might be a little bit of a psychopath too. Some of us who get really into this and we find that enjoyment in that, that area of, of training. Yeah. But that's where growth is. You know, you're not, your body is trying to adapt. And oftentimes people go to the gym and they say, I want to make these changes and they'll get into their workout. And the second that that burn starts to hit, that's the end of their set. Yep. Well, that's, that's not how we grow. You need to find that point of pain and those reps thereafter is how you're going to grow. Yeah. That's like just the start. And that's what, it's not just bodybuilding. Like that's, that's the, the transformation of this. And the biggest thing I try to push on my athletes is the lessons you learn from the bar are way more important than how your body looks or how strong you are. You know, that, that pushing past that limit in any area of life, it's all its all the same. It's just different rabbit holes. You know, I'm, in, I'm talking about the rabbit hole of bodybuilding, but you look yeah. at any rabbit hole in life, if you really want to expand and, and learn about it, you need to just dive into that discomfort and find a way to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. So I do. I look for that, and I really enjoy those those top sets where, you know, I have to do a meditative practice prior to even getting into them. You might have saw that once on the leg press yesterday, mm-hmm. breathing, slowing my blood flow and my heart rate. Um. Oftentimes, uh, especially, we'll get into this a little bit more on some of my motives in a minute probably, but um, there's a, a focus of my thoughts um, and then 
knowing that this is going to be really tough and it's going to hurt and you just need to push and push and push and you get to the end of the set and you get high. I mean, it's, it's a release Mm -hmm. of brain chemicals and, and you know, it's, it feels great, but during, (laughs) during it, it's just hell. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What do you think that you've learned the most about yourself through bodybuilding? I feel like you, like you said, you bring a lot of it into your day-to-day life and anything that you're doing, but what are some things that you really have learned about yourself? Number one, for absolutely number one is just the potential that you have. So we limit ourselves mentally so much. It's not even a physical pursuit, you know, bodybuilding, powerlifting. None of this is actually, sure, it's a physical connotation to it, but it's all mental, Mm -hmm. everything, you know, um, the dieting, the regimen, the training, you can, if you break mentally, none of it is happening, you know? Yeah. And your body will keep going if your mind tells it to. The first thing that breaks is your mind. Yeah. Obviously, there are injuries that can happen and muscle tears and things. So, yes, you can destroy your body, and I've done it. But your mind is what's the factor there. So, Are there things that you, like, tell yourself? Or how do you keep, like, a strong mind? Don't be a little bitch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is going to hurt. You ready? (laughs) No. Um, It goes back to the motives. And if you want, we can kind of jump in there. I don't know if one of your following questions might get us there anyways, but – a lot of this, so I don't, I don't, even, I don't know if I've even told you this. I've talked to Mike about it. I've talked to a few different people, and I have been open on it uh, on some of my Instagram stories and things that I'll do. But uh, so Asa passed away three years ago now, and six days before he passed, uh, he, him and I would always be Snapchatting and still texting. We didn't hang out all the time, but you know, occasionally going out, you know, uh, to hang out, but near, not nearly like we used to when we were younger. But we'd still Snapchat and text. It was once a week minimum. He'd send me some stupid, funny shit. I'd send him some something, you know, something back. And in, uh, in December, he sent me a, a snap that it was actually just a, a, a sentence. And he said, Hey man, I really want to get back into bodybuilding. He responded to one of my stories about training. He's yeah. like, I'd love to do it. Like when we were teenagers and go compete, you know, I was like, at the time I was like, yeah, bro, it sounds like a cool idea. Let's do it. He's like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to start training for the Grand Rapids show, you know, and maybe I'll do physique. You do, you know, bodybuilding or whatever. So it sounds like it could be really fun. Let's do that. And, uh, kind of. I didn't push it off, but like it wasn't an uh, immediate priority. I was like, yeah, let's just do that, bro. You know, well, six days later came and Ace wasn't here anymore, you know? Yeah. So seven days after that text came through, I started training for the MPC Grand Rapids show. And that was, you know, in between this, I powerlifted for seven years. So I was still powerlifting at the time. And yeah. I just like, I'm jumping into bodybuilding. So I went from being a powerlifter that was 165 pounds to going into bodybuilding prep uh, with. Like that's just jumping right in during preparation for bodybuilding contests. You can't add muscle tissue, you know, calorie deficit. It's very, very hard. You can, but it's very hard. Um, so I just started leaning out. I said, look, I'm going to do this competition for Asa. And, uh, I ended up doing it and I took second to last in every category that I competed in. And I looked like shit and you could see the, the difference of my muscle structure from powerlifting. It was very strong. Um, but it was not, a it wasn't an appealing, physically appealing physique, right? So that was kind of my motive to jump me back into bodybuilding out of powerlifting. I'd also been going through a lot of injuries in powerlifting too. So I was like, you know what, maybe we need to do some bodybuilding training anyways to, to heal some of that tissue. But yeah, so that was one of my, my big motives to get back in was, yeah. was Asa and kind yeah. of a way to, to honor him, you know. So I feel like I knew it was a big part of that, but I just didn't know like to what extent. And I didn't even realize that you had just like jumped into it. So like suddenly and we're like, yep, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I set the date literally that the day after New Year's Day it took, I, and that was such a hard period in life anyways. I mean, we had over half a dozen people that we knew mm-hmm. uh, pass away once a week, if not two people in only one week. 
Yeah. And I remember we went to so many funerals in that winter and it was just recurring. And I remember when Mike called me that morning and he was like, dude, you know, Ace had passed away. He was supposed to be with us the night before. And, uh, I froze, uh, you know, I just, I didn't even, the, he was the closest one of everyone, you know, apart from maybe grandpa, he was closer than grandpa because yeah, we spent more time together. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't, I didn't even cry at first. I just thought like, I even asked Mike, I'm like, is this, are we dreaming? Like, I'm just waking up. Like, is yeah. this real? I it didn't, it wouldn't register. And then halfway through the day I broke down cause it was real. And, uh, I, yeah, took an entire day to just think things through and then realize, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go compete in yeah. a few months here. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you still carry, um, like everybody that you've lost, I feel like is a big part of your training. Like I know you have a couple of tattoos and I know you've often like thought about Colty too during, um, different times like mm -hmm. training. How Absolutely. do you feel like you've dealt with grief and loss? Like if you don't mind, it's something we've talked about with other guests on the podcast and yeah, it's incredibly difficult. It's just, I try to find a way to honor them. There are, I did a lot of writing. I mean, I, that's got a whole long story to it, but after Colton's passing, I wrote and I wrote and I actually became very mentally, mentally ill for a period there, but I was trying to find a way essentially to honor him. And with, with death and such, you can't find a silver lining per se. It's not like you're ever going to be, you know, oh, this is a good thing that came mm -hmm. from this. No, it fucking sucks, right? Yeah. Um, it's just the, the raw deal of it. And you know, life is very tragic when, when people pass away. It's, there's no silver lining to pull from that. There's never a good thing. And that's the only, you can always find connotations in the universe of like, oh, this might've happened for a really good reason, right? Well, death, you don't, there's mm -hmm. not, there's not a reason for that. So mm -hmm. I find the, the best thing for me is to try and find a way to honor that person that I love. And for Colton, that's why I write, you know, for Asa, that's why I bodybuild. In a way, Colton bodybuilding too, you know, he's right there alongside me as well. But it's, it's a way that you can try and make them proud of you and still live with them. Like when I, when I was writing, I was crying so much, but it was sometimes it literally felt like Colton was actually doing the writing and mm -hmm. it was me being able to spend that time with him. Like we would at 4am in the middle of the nights, you know, I'd be painting, he'd be writing, we'd be a little bit messed up, you know, drinking, yeah. having a good time, whatever it is, but you know, we'd be just hanging out two best friends. And, uh, that's a way that I can still spend time with him. So in the pursuit of this bodybuilding, I can still spend time with Asa and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. And even like Michelle Jolliffe, I know she was big into bodybuilding. And during that first preparation, she was heavy on my mind as well because during the posing and the artistic display of bodybuilding, it was a very beautiful, like elegant thing that you're trying to, to create. And oftentimes I would look to Ma for guidance, you know, mentally and emotionally and spiritually, like, hey, I want you to be a part of this journey as well, too. So yeah. she's always in my mind as well when it comes to bodybuilding. And yeah. Sorry I mean, if I get a little, a little no, jittery. I, mean, I is, love it. I think it's... This is the raw, raw yeah. emotion behind it. But, Thank yeah. you for like sharing that and talking with me about that. We don't always take the time to like have these conversations either. So it's just yeah. nice to catch up, I feel like, and like hear your side of it. And I feel like you articulated all of that so well. So it's I a, love that. It's been a big part of my life for a few years. Mm -hmm. and it's, it is, it's so tough too, man. Like People that don't understand... Um, that part of life yet yeah, is it is inevitable and there's mm -hmm. no guidebook to the people you love are going to die mm -hmm. and you don't know when or how it's just it's going to happen and you need to learn how to deal with that and I tried my best to put down when I was writing you know I tried my best to articulate ways to get through this and what helped me and I will be honest I think I tapped into some very healthy coping mechanisms that some people have not been able to so I think I had some good points <laughs> on maybe assisting in that process but 
I can for damn sure tell you the way not to handle that is to go to drugs and to alcohol and to outlets that are just going to dig a hole for you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't fill that void with things that are ripping the void even farther open, right? Yeah. You can numb it, uh, but it's not worth it in the long run. So, Mm -hmm. So for me, I think although my approach to that was a little different and I, I dove into the unsettling emotion and I cried a lot and I, but I was almost searching for that pain to in a way liberate myself from it and have a, a really good understanding of that process, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just going and getting fucked up and saying, Oh, I'll deal with this. You know, I don't want to yeah. deal with this now. I'm going to run from it. I'm going to go deal with it later. Yeah. Know? So that's like really profound because I remember seeing you at some of those times where you could tell like that you were in pain and that is like a hard place to be. And so, yeah, like when you like, you know, we're just full, like raw embracing all of that pain and that really rough emotion and really rough time in life. Like that was just so real for you. And then, you know, the people around you, you know, they felt it too. They felt it too. The amount of conversations I had when I was doing the writing and, a lot of that writing I was putting on Facebook for a minute, more of the motivational stuff. None of the there was some stuff there that does not absolutely not on Facebook, but a lot of people reached out, and I didn't know how much uh, influence I was having on other people and motivation. And people were telling me this was during that that contest prep where I was just kind of trying to mm-hmm. just go to absolute hell, and I was sharing my motivational writing specifically because that was what you know obviously other people might want to read and it would inspire mm-hmm. them to do similar. And the amount of people, I can't even count, that would set a goal for themselves and explain their own little journey to me and all their milestones and stuff, mm-hmm. it felt really awesome to see, wow, I'm making an impact. Even though at the time, I was still in the rough, man. I was I was fighting through the trenches. But watching the impact that I could have on other people who might have been in a similar position or just wanted to make a life change, it was really cool to see. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I'm glad that I could, in some way, positively affect people with that. You know? Yeah. You are just naturally a very motivational and inspirational person. Like, oh, thank you. Of course. As your little sister, I got to learn so much from you and see your natural talent and endless motivation kind of transpire into who you are. I looked up to you in a lot of ways, and I still do. You know, I just want you to know you inspire me, but also a lot of other people out there. Thank you. I do want to touch on a little bit of that uh, that natural talent part, and I don't want to deny that. Um, there are definitely some things that I, I am naturally inclined to do better, but as far as like bodybuilding, I have good genetics, not great by any means and not exceptional at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other areas too, you know, being younger, growing up, that natural talent was there, but it was also impacted by Mike and his friends. And I have to compete with guys that are four years older than me if I want to hang out. Mm-hmm. So it was the work ethic behind like, for instance, skateboarding. I remember spend, spending eight to nine hours one day just out there learning to do a kickflip because I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to do a kickflip like the other kids do, you know? Yeah. So sure, there might be some natural talent and a little bit of athleticism and thing, but but the main driving factor to any and all of these things is work ethic. It's yeah. just how much do I want to go out there to grind to be able to keep up, you know? Because if I didn't, I didn't get to hang out, you know? That's so, where my work ethic comes from. No doubt. I've always said, like, my work ethic comes from wanting to be, like, as good as you guys were at doing things, right? But I was four years younger. I mean, I was eight years younger than Mike. And so, and mm-hmm. you guys, like, it's different. I'm You guys are guys. I'm a girl. But, like... That is where my work ethic comes from. Like I always knew if I could have the endurance and like the determination to do something and like stick to it, then you can. Yeah, and you've yeah you've been a great example of that too. And not, one thing that I find is funny with our our not our demographics but our background rather than our upbringing, 
is it's a little bit of a we got a decent roll with the dice there because that could have gone very badly the way that things I were, know. were happening with how we essentially raised ourselves. Yep. And mom was a, a wonderful lady. She could only do so much though, you know. Yep. So when we had to raise each other for half of the day and through all the summers and everything, like mm-hmm. there could be some bad things that happened there. <laughs> Um, which definitely. they did sometimes. They definitely yep. did. You know, it wasn't smooth sailing, but um, no, I'm pretty proud of us, though. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it goes to show, like that's that's another huge thing with this man, like coddling and comfort. Places of comfort can be so toxic. You know, mm-hmm. we had the things that we needed growing up. Yeah, mom got herself into a pretty big hole there, providing that you know financially, but. We always were taken care of, but we didn't have any of the flashy shit. We didn't mm-hmm. have any, you know, wasn't we weren't top tier citizens by any means you know right and having to go through that though we learned that we kind of had to work our asses off right like if you look at the way that we were we were brought up and, and like the, the odds were against us essentially right mm-hmm. well it's quite the opposite we are given the opportunity rather because we know how to struggle struggle through hardship mm-hmm. i mean if you got to put in a 16 or 18 hour day you just have to yep. do it because you have to you do just it. do it and somebody else might just call mom or dad and say hey uh, mm-hmm. i'm in a pickle can you can you bail me out yep you know so yeah. I'm very, I don't want to say grateful for everything we grew up with. There was yeah. a lot of shit and we went through a lot of adversity, but I am grateful for quite a bit of it. I'm grateful for the hardship and mm-hmm. the, the having to become a man at maybe a younger age than. It teaches you a lot. And I think you develop like a level of resilience to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, speaking of comfort zones, how do you find that balance of like, the line where you can push yourself and grow. But then, like you said, if you go too far out of your comfort zone, you're not like nothing's good. Good yes. is going to come from that. So how do you find that like balance? That's a great question. And I love, I'm going to throw a little analogy at you. Um, and you, you'll like this cause you guys are into gardening. Um, I tried to observe my body as I did when I was gardening and when I was training plants. Okay. If you take a plant in an environment and there, what's plants are fascinating to look at from a standpoint of human growth as well. Uh, let's just start with the training, essentially, right? If you groom a plant and you're training it and you're pruning it and you're bending its branches, it'll become calloused. It will be able to bear more fruit. It'll become much stronger. If you take that branch and you are too, you know, intense with its training, you'll snap it in half. It'll break, right? So from a body perspective, that's exactly what I'm trying to do when I'm in the gym. I'm very, very analytical with listening to my body. How? It, what is it telling me? Um, this does not mean I give up when times get tougher. I'm sore, but I am very critical on like, is your body telling you that you're really close to risking an injury of muscle tear? If it is, I need to kind of maybe chill it on just that muscle area or something. Uh, very, very in tune with what my body is saying. But again, not giving in to being weak at that time to just make it an easy training, right? So as far as bodybuilding goes, it is pushing to the absolute limit at all times with a very, very good understanding of what my muscles and my body are telling me my central nervous system and you can often find that with with pains and you know more not even intramuscular pain you'll find it with joint joint pain and things like that it would be good indicators um certain levels of fatigue will will tell you you know maybe to cool it for a minute because if you aren't pushing past that point if you're just doing the same thing every day then you have no growth you're mm-hmm. staying in the exact same spot so you need to program with whether it's numbers that's a great way for powerlifting training to know like I'm on a linear progression of strength. My numbers are going up. I'm going to continue making sure that that happens while taking periodic deloads to drop your weight loads so that your body can, body can recover, right? Oftentimes that's before a competition. You'll have linear progression, and then one week before competition, you'll almost have, you'll have 50% or none, none of the weight move that you were doing you know, prior 
letting your body recover, and then you're going to go and have maximal effort day, right? With bodybuilding, it's based upon like volume PRs and making sure that I'm doing things I've never done before or just a little bit beyond that. Uh, and sometimes that means that I just have to go, like I said, go through a meditative state and be like, I am going to hit this set and give it absolutely everything I have to make sure that my body is going to grow and mm-hmm. continue to, to do this. And like I said yesterday, we the weight don't get any smaller, man. 45 pounds is 45 pounds. Uh, we just keep adding those on. We keep getting stronger and, and moving more and more and more. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. anything in life, though. It's not just bodybuilding. That's everything, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess in business life, how I find that limit is I'm burnout. If I really start to get too stressed and I become, I've become pretty aware of my mental capacity and, and when burnout is hitting. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of myself in the last few years is having boundary setting and standards and things in place yeah. that like, Hey, it's 9 45 PM phones are done. We aren't, we aren't doing any texting. You can get yep. back to me at seven or eight in the morning. We'll continue this, but. Unless it's a very specific client in real estate that needs to have something done at that period of time, and I've already usually I'm aware of that going into it. There's no reach out at nine forty five, and I need to know this. Like, no, yeah, you, you know that tomorrow because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. So it helps <clears throat> keep things like sustainable, but then also allows for that growth too. Absolutely, yeah. in a lot of ways. And I don't the balance concept that's going around right now. I think that that could be a little bit negative because people take the idea of balance as just rest and don't do anything. Right. Right. Um, but yes, balance is very important. That sustainability is very, very mm-hmm. important. But don't confuse that with, I just need balance in my life. Yeah. I want to have a spa day four <laughs> days a week and I don't want to do anything. Yeah. No, go and go and pursue your abilities and, and become better. <laughs> Push yourself. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I do think like the self-care goes really far into like, oh, self-care. I'm suddenly taking like three months to just yeah. <laughs> sit, sit and chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Pushing that a little extreme. So I've got to be careful there. But. Yeah. Okay. So we had like, we talked about the training piece of bodybuilding. Yes. What are the other pieces? Other pieces going to be rest and recovery. How do we do that? Obviously sleeping and uh, eating food. So we can get into the science of that, but that would bore probably quite a lot of people. But dieting is going to be just as, if not more crucial to the training, right? Obviously, if you want to be the best, you put all these together, you give 100% effort and everything. Um, so nutrition is huge. Uh, in contest prep, I'm usually eating six to seven meals a day, every two to three hours um, on the dot, and they are specifically portioned out meals. Your protein, every single macro is considered, uh, what they're comprised of is considered, right? So a lot of big myths in, in bodybuilding, I'll just touch on a myth, myth that pisses me off, is that calories in, calories out is the only thing that matters, right? If you're in a deficit, you're eating less calories than what you're burning, you're going to lose body fat or weight. And if you're in a surplus, you're going to gain body fat or weight. True and incredibly false at the same time. You can optimize that by eating real food. You know, a box of macaroni has 1,200 calories in it. It's kind of shitty calories. You know, there, yeah, it has a certain amount of proteins, fats, and carbs, but you're much better to say, I'm going to get that protein from a lean meat source, fish, chicken, yeah. you know, red meat. I'm going to get that carbohydrate from a thing like rice or sweet potatoes, way better than the pasta that's in that macaroni. Yeah. I'm going to get my healthy fats from things like olive oil, coconut oils, avocados. like that. So the, the quality of food is very important. And that's just, that's for cognition, that's for muscle recovery, that's for functionality and everything, right? Yes, technically I could bulk or cut on a McDonald's diet. Why would I want to do that to myself and feel like shit? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, case in point is, is the nutrition is just as important. And in that contest prep, it is, you don't miss a meal. Every single thing is perfectly precise. 
And then obviously right now I'm in the off season, I'll have some glasses of wine. I'll have a beer here and there. Um, I will eat, you know, cheat meals four to six times a week. Honestly, I hit, I'm, I play like 80, 20 or 90% 10. So like I'll have damn near close to perfection of my diet throughout the day. And then I'm going to have one meal during that day, whether it's dinner, lunch, whatever it is, maybe two sometimes of making sure I'm still hitting macros and I'm getting enough protein in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm usually getting 50 to 60 grams of protein a meal. And yeah, five, five meals, sometimes six in the off season because they're relatively larger meals. So my calorie intake is over 5,000 right now. I was going to ask. Contest prep, it goes down from about 5,000 scaling down if we're doing a long duration cut. There is a lot of science to it. Um, There's also a lot of different genetics out there and people are going to respond differently. I mean, you have food allergies. That's one thing, but you have, if you look at now you're talking demographics, people on different sides of the planet whose body over thousands of years their ancestors have adapted to certain digestion and certain mm-hmm. foods, you know, so everyone plays a different role. That's why when you have someone that just says, eat only these meals, this is going to be your key. That's, it pisses me off because you need to learn the individual and understand how they respond to things and, yeah. and be able to adapt their body appropriately. So Yeah, it is very individualized, I mm-hmm. suppose. I feel like I fall into that whole just this is what I should be eating because it's whatever, but it's like, yeah, what is working though for you and for your body? Exactly. Yeah. Yep, everyone's a little different. Yeah, because you changed things, didn't you? When you were like, when you were in competition, like mode, mm-hmm. wouldn't you guys change things like every week? We would make adjustments every week. Oftentimes, that would be on similar foods, but we'd just reduce more over my carbohydrate intake. So I get a little less rice, a little less fruits. And once you get to that point, uh, talking about gratitude, it becomes very, very important to start practicing your gratitude because the mental game becomes much more difficult. Right now, everything's great. I get a lot of food. I'm in abundance. Sometimes I, I can take nice naps. I sleep eight hours a night. During contest prep, your body wakes up after three and you can't shut it off. And it's like it, you want to get up and go find food. You know, mm-hmm. It's in survival mode in the last few weeks because you're starving yourself essentially. Yeah. Just like strategically. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so I'd lose more and more carbohydrates and get more and more hungry. And it would get to the point where on my fruits, instead of blending them up in shakes or instead of you know eating them like a normal human would, I'd eat my blueberries one at a time and I'd eat my pineapple chunks one at a time instead of going in a shake. And every little bite, I'd think, what am I grateful for today? You know, and just wow. whether it was people, you'd come to mind often, family, mm-hmm. people, friends, experiences, uh, simply the fact that I have a blueberry. That was a big one, you know, instead of having to go and hunt things down. And you know, there, there are, that's the biggest take that you get is there are people in this world that don't even have the means to this food. Yeah. I remember the first contest prep, I had a perspective flop that was really, really important. And I was getting all angry and like, oh, I'm hungry. You know, people would talk to me about food. I'm like, I'm fucking starving, you know. And I was just kind of, I wasn't ready for it yet. And that's something I had to adjust to. But I had the perspective flip of realizing that, dude, I'm eating steak and salmon every day. I have very healthy food that I'm nourishing my body with. Yeah, it's not that much, but this is what I have. Some kids don't even have anything, you know. So the second that happened, and this was like in the second half of prep, I got like a boost of energy and like a just that gratitude practice every day of realizing this is an opportunity, man. Quit being a little bitch, you know. Yeah. And people don't have this, so now you're being entitled by thinking, "Oh, poor me, I don't get enough steak and salmon to right. be full." You know? Right. Talk about a glutton, man! Holy shit. I'm going to quick take a break and tell you guys about our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's all online. It's also more affordable and accessible, which is great because that's often an obstacle for so many people who want to go to therapy, but maybe don't have the time or the money to do so. They have you fill out a questionnaire so that they can match you with a professional therapist that will be a good fit, and if it's not a good fit, you can always change. Like I said in the intro, the holidays can be such a stressful time of year, and this time in general is just hard to get through. So if you feel like talking to a licensed professional about some of the burdens that you're carrying, then click on the link in the show notes below or go to betterhelp.com forward slash lightly salted. Clicking on the link helps to support our show, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Mental health is always something I will advocate for, so I'm really happy to be working with a company that offers accessible mental health care. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Yoloha Yoga. You guys have heard us talk about yoga quite a bit on the podcast, so you can trust me when I say that I've tried a lot of yoga mats. I'm currently obsessed with the cork yoga mats from Yoloha. They have so many cool patterns, they're not too heavy, and they provide the perfect amount of support and grip for your practice. Unlike many other yoga mats, Yoloha's mats are completely natural and free of any harsh chemicals, making it a sustainable choice for you, but also for the earth. Yoloha also sells sustainable apparel, mat sprays, and props to assist you in your yoga practice, and right now they're running a special promotion for 40% off their website. So if you want to support the show, head over to their website to check out all of their beautifully created items at yolohayoga.com forward slash the lightly salted podcast, or click on the link in the show notes below. Okay, back to our episode. So let's keep going then with like the training aspect. Well, and like we were talking about like rest and recovery and stuff too, but just since you brought up that competition in particular that you were training for, that bodybuilding show. So what do those weeks look like? Like how many weeks do you train for? And that whole side of it for people who like want to go into bodybuilding or who do it and are just like looking for tips and whatever. What's the breakdown? Every single person is going to be different here. So it's really the first shot. You shouldn't look at this as like a one time I'm done unless you just want to have that experience. Then absolutely. But I'd recommend a longer duration time. Uh, I've done contest preps that are as long as 26 weeks and I've done them as short as eight weeks. Um, That's big. Everyone has been different. They're very big. (laughs) One of them is a half a year. One of them is two months. Yeah. Um, and the one that we did for 26 weeks was just an incredible spiritual journey. And it was, I perfected it. That was the, probably one of the most empowering moments of my life was the end of that, regardless of placings, even though I did very well, uh, especially seeing what I did throughout that year. But just seeing and being able to hold myself accountable to, I hit every single box. I didn't miss a meal for six months. I didn't miss, like we were saying, an alarm clock. I didn't miss a thing, not a cardio, not a training, yeah. nothing. Everything for six straight months was perfect. And that was, I don't care about the metal. I don't care about how I looked. I care about, I just perfected that every single day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was very emotional. And and beyond that, at the end of that contest prep, man, I had encouraged and and helped over half a dozen of the other athletes that I competed against or with. And they reached out to me uh, within 24 hours of either, you know, right after the show or through the next day or the morning of, you know. Um, and just some were saying things like, you know, I, I would never would have even been here if it wasn't for you. Um, thank you for helping me, you know, push through the end. One of my competitors, like I, I gave him a nudge of like, hey, man, you know, you're all right. Four weeks out, like 
I could yeah. see it in his face that he was just feeling defeated. Yeah. I was like, you're good. You know, like you got this. Um, and like I said, all these people reaching out to me, I was kind of soaking in just the good feelings of, you know, get, getting done with contest prep and we'd competed. And the next day I was driving home and another, another one chimed through and it was just really heartfelt. And like, Hey, I owe you so much for, you know, being by my side through this. And I started crying on the way home. I was broke down. I was like, that, that to me is what it's about. You know, it's, it's a personal journey of trying to become your best. And every single day I had perfected it. And by the end of it, I had now impacted many people and that's all I care about, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was an awesome feeling, but mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry for the tangent. Um, <laughs> that's okay. So yeah, anywhere from usually eight weeks is the lowest. You're going to want to have a contest prep. That's a really aggressive cut for body fat. And then something like 26 is usually the max. Usually people are around, uh, around 12 to 16. Some 16 is like a really solid common contest prep, four months of strict dieting and training regimen. So uh, for each one of mine, I've done something different. Uh, this last one was 26. Like I said, the first year was just jumping in and going, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a coach. I did my own thing. It's kind of funny to watch. Like I had a lot of support, but people are like, Oh, look at silly little Matt getting back into bodybuilding, you know, yeah. look what he's doing. And like I said, took second to last and everything I, mm-hmm. at that point, you know, it just looked like shit, Yeah. but I didn't care. I was really, really happy that I went and did it and did it for Asa in a sense to honor him. And then I got really motivated to just keep on going. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to go pro. And then at that point I can decide if I want to do this anymore. I can step out. You know, now the goal is to go pro and, and ask the IFBB if they'd put it in honor of him and say, look, I'm not a pro, but put the card in Ace's name and we'll, we'll step aside at that point. And then yeah. again, assess. I don't think I'll ever leave this. I'll always be involved with bodybuilding, powerlifting, whether it's coaching or, you know, yeah, myself, I'm going to have to train it. So I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so exactly. I can't leave this, Yeah, but I don't know if I need to compete. Yeah. You know? I can just do it for the passion of it. What are your favorite things about it? Uh, I feel like we talked about what you've learned, but what's like, what are just your favorite things? Why are you so passionate man, about it? I love it? PRs and I love seeing people hit PRs. You know, we, I've been doing a lot of, you know, weekend training with the bros. Sometimes we'll just go out and get a group of people and push each other, hang out, talk, you know, yeah. um, a really good workout. You, you, you get the high from it and just watching the, the little bit of growth. This is going to sound goofy, but I like this uh, analogy that I wrote about to the, the connection between life and video games. So you know that I used to play a lot of video games. When mm-hmm. I was a teenager, I played a fuck ton of video games. Early 20s still, I was putting in full days, you know. I'd put in an 8 to 12 hour shift on a game. Now I've kind of, I looked at some of those RPGs I used to play and realized how similar they are to life, actually. Um, if you look at RuneScape's a great breakdown. You have dozens of these skills that you can level and master at level 99. It takes a long, long time to grind one of these things out. Yeah. I mean, I've specifically spent hundreds of my human hours <laughs> grinding these things out. Yeah. I got really good. And as you get better, you can do different things. And then uh, these also become financial gain for you in the game because you're getting better at your skills and you're you're leveling up and you're, uh, you know, you need more and more experiences. And essentially, it's the same exact thing. Your bosses just get harder. The things get a little more expensive. You just, but you keep on just climbing, climbing, climbing. It's the same practice over and over. So I had that swap to my life of like, okay, what are all these things that I'm doing? I'm painting, I'm writing, I'm bodybuilding, I'm training as an athlete. I have my business in real estate and building. And, you know, I have all these different interests and things that I'm getting good at. I'm just going to look at my life as a video game. You know, this year I played cumulatively an entire year as much as I would play in one day almost years ago uh, of a video game, right? I'll get on here and there to jump in a TFT at the end of the night at nine and just blow some steam off, you know? Yeah. And that's once or twice a week, maybe not even, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like I don't even have the time anymore to do it. But point is, is like I'm watching my life progress and the really big, milestones and accomplishments are like that boss level or 
you know, that, that achievement level that you get in a video game. It's just turn my life into a video game and, mm-hmm. and look at those experience points. It's like if you're building a house, you know, you, stick by stick by stick, you know, that's, that's what you do in a video game. You're literally, when you play a video game, you're doing all these things that you do in real life, but yeah. you just, in your video game, not with yourself. You know? Right. So I flipped it to, I'm going to be the main character and I'm going to play myself. Yeah. And let's, let's get some experience and raise these skills, you know, so. I love that analogy. Yeah, that's a fun one. That's helped me a lot, to be honest. I could see that. You know, another thing you said yesterday, too, was at the very end, we we talked about performance a little bit and just how you used to take performance so seriously. And yes. now you just have a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. And you become a lot. I honestly think you become a lot better with that, too. So many people get caught up with how and I maybe they're trying to make somebody proud or something or I don't know what it is like they have expectations for themselves. And it's a good way to take the fun out of it, man. And mm-hmm. when you make this about an exciting journey and, and more about the process and kind of enjoying the moments and all of it with the people and everyone else and stop stop comparing yourself to other people, especially. I mean, I, I hang out with the people I compete with, you know, often. And one thing you'll notice about all the top competitors is they don't ever compare themselves to anyone else. They're focused on them being better than themselves mm-hmm. every day and doing it with other people, helping bring them up, mm-hmm. you know. And first thing I said to my athletes this year too was about that. It was, you know, all of you are going to get strong. I know without a doubt, all of my athletes are going to get really strong. Some of them doubling their strength in a year. With that, when I was young and, and a teenager, you know, you'd, you'd start comparing and being like, you know, it's a chest puffing thing. Like you want to try and almost be better than others. And that, that arrogance builds. And then that's not what it's about, man. You get yeah. humbled really quick doing that too. Life will slap you in the mouth and put you right in your place. Mm-hmm. When you shift it, though, and you start trying to build other people up, and that's what I said to them. I said, you're all going to get stronger, but that's not what this is about. Don't act tough. You help build your teammates up. You help build one another up. That's what this is about. And when you learn that, you start to grow really quick because other people want to help you grow, too. Yeah. Um, But when you're not humbled, when you're being a little cocky asshole, life will put you in your spot quick. It's so true. That's like a lesson that until you learn it, it'll just be on like repeat. Mm -hmm. Like life will just continue to slap you in your face. (laughs) Cycles are a real thing, man. Yeah. I've been in them. Yeah. We might go down that rabbit hole in this conversation at some point, but yeah. The universe has a way of making sure you're going to learn the things you need to learn. If it takes you four mm-hmm. or five times, it takes you four or five. Hopefully yep. you can learn on the first, maybe the second. Yep. You know? Definitely. What are some of like the lessons you feel like you've learned in um, life? Most of these are going to actually be attached to women, but the big cycles in life is being humble. And that's whenever, like I said, whenever you're cocky, you get just humiliated, right? So understanding that we're all humans, we're all very capable of incredible things. And mm-hmm. and that's also a really empowering feeling too. Part of gaining confidence in yourself and becoming really good at things, you learn an awesome respect for everyone else that does the same, right? Mm-hmm. Or just for people in general. Anyone can. It's not special about anyone. Anyone can do this, but yep. you also gain the respect for those who are choosing to do this rather, right? Through the practice and disciplines, like really nothing special about me. I'm just doing these things. Anyone can do this and everybody's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. So... One of the cycles when I was younger was like that, like I said, trying to be the best. I need to be the best. I need to be the best. And you, you, it's very weighing, right? And, and the liberating feeling of letting go of that and just being, I need to be the best me. That's all that matters. It's very liberating. Like, hey. Yeah. And you also become better really quick. So I don't know what there is, what it is about that. It's a very, I don't know. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I wish I could explain that more. But yeah, that's one of the cycles. Another one of the cycles was, uh, trying too much to help people in life. Becoming a doormat and just being a people pleaser was over and over and over. Uh, it, uh, you just, I, I would do my best to just go out of my way. Anytime someone asked for anything to keep people happy, I would just do it. And 
although that sounds like a good thing, sometimes it would be limiting others from growth in a sense, because I would be taking on their responsibilities per se, and then they couldn't go on and deal with that themselves. So again, the universe found ways to make mm -hmm. me pay for that and have to have that realization. But what's really cool is through this whole bodybuilding process, I went through a really long spiritual cycle where I purposely found these. Um, I don't know if you want me to go on this tangent. Go for it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long one. Go for it. Um, but the whole process. So after ASA, you know, obviously I competed and I got into it. And then later on that year, I kind of found myself and I was very in a, in a good spot in life. Things were going great. I did end up meeting a woman that I fell for pretty hard. And I got a little bit pulled away from the bodybuilding aspect of things, right? So I have this really awesome experience with her. I'm not taking some things as seriously as I should. Um, drop back a little bit. End of that following year, so this is like second going into the third year of competing, we have a kind of go through a separation, tried to make things work, go through a really nasty breakup after a month of doing that because that's just toxic and chaotic. Within 24 hours of our separation and like the final blow up, Colton ended up passing away. And I got into a really, really dark, deep spot. And uh, I'm going to quick rewind, though, because a year prior, talking about cycles, right? Mm -hmm. This is kind of what made me think about this. But going into that first contest prep, I realized a few things about myself that I wanted to change. So I started working on that through prep, and it helped a lot. So now fast forward. Um, some of those things I kind of let slip, and I wasn't as critical on, right? And so I was heartbroken. I was really, really distraught from my best friend passing away. Um, I was at first coping with unhealthy things, and I'd kind of lost what I was shooting for with bodybuilding in the first place. And so I started writing like a madman to cope with Colton's loss. Um, I noticed a few things about myself that first my self-discipline had kind of plummeted a little bit. My emotional regulation and the control that I had over myself was low. And so I kind of was assessing myself. And a lot of that writing was a breakdown and uh, just a deep dive into who I was, right? Okay, I am going to go back and touch on this. Um, okay. With that woman, I, want, I do want to preface this too. I'm not trying to shit on anyone here. I think very highly of her. She's a very, very intelligent person, incredible potential with, with who she is and, and could do great things in the world. Our relationship dynamic and some of the stuff she'd been through, essentially, yeah, it, it, it was a very, very toxic thing. And I noticed that talking to another two, two other guys I've met now that have been through similar, and I don't think that this is brought up enough from the male perspective, but it is brought up often from females, very common. And that's dealing with things like, this might sound cliche, but things like narcissism and gaslighting, mm -hmm. et cetera, right? What I went through with that, that relationship, and I've been in relationships, for, Katie and I were together for eight years, right? Yep. It's difficult separating, but you, you get on it and you move forward. This one caused me so much mental and emotional fuckery. And the way that things progressed and how it came to an end quite literally destroyed me. And I didn't know who I was. I had to put myself together piece by piece by piece, right? Because through the process of that and, and in our relationship, I was often praised so that, you know, oh, you're the perfect boyfriend, you're, you're so kind, caring, uh, supportive, and patient, yada, yada, I'm doing everything right. But then I was also getting slow drip picked at for all of the things that I wasn't doing right. And then there were often times where things would be happening that weren't the way that I thought they were happening. I'm not going to say gaslighting, but essentially I am thinking crazy and what happened yeah. didn't actually happen. yeah. But she was very, very incredibly intelligent and good at the way that she got me to try and kind of change things I was doing. 
it got to the point where even for months after, I showered in a specific way. I'm talking severe OCD with a lot of my processes that I do with my days. And like it was the little things that she'd jab at that slowly kind of deteriorated who I was and changed who I was as a person, right? Coming to this at the end, I was thinking that I was slightly insane. Like, was it was all this real? Was I this, that, the other? Because at the end, I was the worst thing in the world. During all the whole process, I was the most incredible thing. Right. The way that she went back to her ex for the fourth time, like that was a very, it fucked me up really bad. And then I tried working through that for a month. And during that process, it was just so chaotic back and forth. Mm -hmm. And finally, I did snap. And like, I was like, how how do you do this to me? Like all this, this entire thing beforehand, that was all fake. Essentially, I had created somebody or something in my head that wasn't actually real. And so I was really fucked up. Yeah. It's like what is reality at that point? Like exactly. what's, who am I? Yeah. And I didn't know who I was because I was also a very dangerous thing that I'll never do again in a relationship. My identity, I was putting inside of her essentially. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I was only as valuable as how much I could provide for her. Yeah. That's... And she would always give me a little bit, but not enough and make me just continue wanting to work for that, that validation and that you know, like approval from her, but she would never like fully commit to me and give me like, you know what I'm saying? So I was constantly just trying to validate myself through her. Yeah. So I lost myself and I met two other guys that had been through something similar. And you know that they went through something similar because the way our conversations went and I could also kind of see something on them. One of them was, he's a little bit older than I am, but he's got, you know, four different children, great, fantastic dad. I saw him out and I, I responded to one of his story posts with his kids. I'm like, dude, you're you're such a solid dad. Like you're, you're a great man. I just want you to know that because you can yeah. see, you know. And he responded to me back with this huge paragraph message, a multiple paragraph message of like, you have no idea how much I need to hear that right now. Like I've been going through the thick of it. I haven't seen him in five, six months, you know, in person. Ironically, I see him the next week at the gym. And I kind of asked him like, what's been going on, man? And he told me a very similar thing. Now I've been recovering from this for about a year, year and a half. He was fresh in it, you know, a few months in. And I could see it in his face like he is just destroyed. Same thing. He doesn't know who he is, where he is, what's going on. And we started like finishing each other's sentences, sharing our own experiences and like getting super excited. You could see the emotion was really intense between both of us. And I was like, you, you know what I like. I went Mm -hmm. through this. I know, you know, Yeah. I get it, you know, but it was a much different relationship than any relationship dynamic I've ever been in because yeah, she she was very good at what she did and just the slow drip feeds and the breaking me down like meticulously but strategically yeah. and like I lost who I was. And so long story short, that plus Colton's passing away, I went insane and mentally ill and I had to I used writing as a coping mechanism and I rewrote every single bit of that process. And I loved Gracie's episode. I listened to that entire yeah. thought it was great. Um, I loved and I, that I can one. relate with her coping through writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, a lot of the stuff that I wrote was a little bit messed up. It was very erotic. It was like, literally I took our, and I, I needed to know because I needed to know, am I insane? Like, who am I? What happened? I was really mentally fucked up over that next year. I ended up writing a 450 page novel. I that's more writing than I've ever done in school or anything. And I did three year process. That's kind of cool. In two weeks after Colton's passing, I banged out 250 pages. That was what blew my mind. I became hyper fixated and just absolutely obsessed with putting this back together. Line by line, I healed myself, essentially writing it out. And mm-hmm. looking back, there was a lot of tears. It was very emotional, very, very difficult. After that two weeks, I spent the next year writing like the process of working through that. And the rest of the story, it went from reading line by line, watching the mental dis- dis- desperation that I was going through and just being destroyed 
to like the healing process to watching my writing become motivational and inspirational mm-hmm. and re-understanding myself. And part of that writing was breaking down like, okay, what what are the things that you've lost? I lost all my discipline. I lost my self-control. I had no emotional regulation. I had some problems. So immediately thereafter, we went to Florida. I came back and I said, I'm jumping back into contest rep. I'm getting things back in track and bodybuilding. And once again, literally like kind of saved my life, helped me through the, the healing yeah. process. And I quit every single, there was no sugar, no caffeine, no nicotine, no drugs of any sort. And I became a celibate. There was no sex. I no, remember that. No nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. But the women became a big problem, right? I was using that as a form of trying to fill a void for a period there too, after all this, you know? And that just made me feel worse. Maybe like shit. For six months of doing that, it, I just dove into myself. And during that contest prep, the cardio and stuff became very intense for me. I was doing hour long cardios. During my cardio, I'd sometimes take breaks to write and what I was thinking, you know? And I would do meditation practices. What was really cool about this process is when I was searching for it, I was looking back to myself to understand again who I was, right? So I'd meditate with that sometimes. And what was really crazy is stuff came up from my childhood and my traumas that I didn't even know existed. And I wrote about all of these and I'm talking, there was child molestation, there was physical abuse, there was so many instances that I had locked away that I didn't even know occurred until I went and I searched for them myself and like through meditation and, and being in nature and doing this long duration cardio and being focused on my goal, I could kind of put some pieces back together. Mm-hmm. And then I got to sit through that and process it. And I was like, no, oh, that's okay. You know? Um, but I didn't know how much I was holding on to for so long that I, I wasn't letting go of until I did this process. And that was just a wild journey of going to that, to then personal traveling. I went, I went on almost a dozen vacations that mm-hmm. year, half over half of which were solo i just go fly out to a place and spend time climbing the mountains. And it was just a process of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most incredibly liberating and empowering experiences of my life. And I'm so grateful for it. To bring back that silver lining, <clears throat> with Colton, there never will be one. I can honor him. With that girl, there's a silver lining that it propelled me forward on this journey to discover myself and to realign with all of the focuses that mm-hmm. I needed to. Had I stuck with her, I would have eroded myself to absolutely nothing. Thus, I would have never pursued any of my goals. Um, it would have been just about what can I do to make your life perfect? How can I please you? How can I do, you know, I was so simpy and just controlled and I was destroying myself, putting her up on a pedestal. Because of that separation, I propelled myself forward massively in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like the universe was telling me, I'm going to give you one final shot at this cyclic shit. Yeah. All of the women I'd been with since Katie before that were like the same thing. The pleasing, yeah. the trying to build, the trying to get your life on track, trying to get you a job, trying to help you, trying to make you pursue your goals, trying to build you up. Yeah. And it was like, you're going to, this is the last one, buddy. You're, you're done with this after this. And so it slapped me in the face so fucking hard that it sent me on a spiral to go find myself and refigure <laughs> this shit out. Yeah. And I did. And it, like with Chelsea now, uh, it, sometimes I almost feel bad because it's like, after that, I found so much love in myself that I don't really need anything. I have, I'll never be like that overly, the way that I was in that relationship. Sure, some girls might say, oh, I want that so bad. But no, you don't. You don't yeah. want that. That's not what, you want to be able to empower each other and build one another up and have time to yourself as an independent yeah. person and then come together with somebody else. And then it's been a very, very slow process with Chelsea, first off, because of my own issues with women after that and trusting them. Um, but also that I don't ever want to let myself 
do that to myself again, you know? So, yeah. um, we've had to take things very slow or she's at times wanted things to be very fast, but I'm like, you know, that's just not how I'm able to do that now. Sorry on that tangent, but that explains a lot of what this has done for me. And it has been such a spiritual roller coaster and one of the key components to finding out who I am through bodybuilding. It's literally saved my life time and time again. And it's also helped me to become at the best point that I've ever been at. Mm -hmm. I'm was, glad. It was fighting through hell. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, there's like so much to unpack there. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that's the, I'm just absorbing this for a moment. No, absolutely. And I, and I apologize for just splurging like that, but that is the process of this. This has been, it has been a soul searching and an emotional unpacking and a complete reconstruction and realization of myself. Mm -hmm. The people that were closest to me saw me going through the process of kind of becoming a dick and lashing out here and there and this was right after colton for months like very short tempered i was also searching for it though like when i was going to do that on my my writing and, and journeying through myself i was looking for it i was like where i want you to bring all your emotion out i want to see all your problems i want to see all your scarring and trauma like, i was searching mm -hmm. and so i was very emotional i was very easily angered and mm -hmm. and then once i could put it all the rest yeah I, i'm I'm chilling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's good. Yeah. Life's great, but it took that process to get there. How do you feel like you stand now with like your emotional regulation and very good. I am the, I am in charge of my impulses, any of them. And I needed to. Like that's that is a goal that I made. My biggest goal with all of this was to just completely control and understand myself. Mhm. Mm you know, so many people are impulsive. Mhm. Mm they see something, they, the desires control them, the materialistic things mm -hmm. control them. Uh, yeah. So it's Whatever desires they have or whatever they're feeling at the time, it's just immediately yeah. expressed. And I spent years doing this, years right. of like dedicating myself more than I do to bodybuilding, of developing myself personally to have complete control over that. Yeah. So That's one thing. I always like to hear about people's personal development journeys, but it's so hard to like actually get into all of it because it's so, so individual it's yeah. so many different avenues it's so individual and it's honestly like so hard to explain unless you like go through a, a journey of self-discovery yourself like it's hard to understand yeah you know you're absolutely right and, and there are so many different like you said just so many avenues so many different ways that people approach this yeah uh, and there is no right way you know yeah. that, that's the other thing too like we all place things like success we we create what that is through the value that we want to want to put on things in our life right we create meaning however we choose to do mm -hmm. so it's not money it's not yeah it's whatever we choose yeah you know what advice do you have for someone who wants to start down the journey of bodybuilding or even just more generally like start anything in life first step take the step and then take the next one again one of the biggest principles with my athletes is going to be the building block and, and a foundation. So the building block concept, you know, Will, Will Smith put this one really good years ago about building a wall. It's done brick by brick. You're going to lay this brick as perfectly as you possibly can. And by the end of it, you have a wall, mm -hmm. you know, I think get your fundamentals down very well. And some of the base disciplines, uh, we build a house upon a foundation. We also use the foundation, uh, in relation to many different things, right? <clears throat> it's the most important part to stabilize the entirety of whatever it is you're working on. So have a really good foundation. And then just step by step, brick by brick, stick by stick, you build a house or you build whatever it is you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. So take that first step and be take it with confidence that you're going to continue moving forward. 
and then just day by day continue to try and be better and better. And it's a lo- it's a long game. Anything is. Yeah. You know, people want quick quick results. You don't get them. It's not. I know. You told me that yesterday when we were in the gym. Like, you know, don't think I'm just gonna get bulky from oh, yeah. lifting some weights. <laughs> you like, talk about some myths. It's gonna. We should talk about some myths. But like, it's gonna take years. Yeah. Of, years of dedication. Yeah. Yeah. And good. Like, yeah. Like the the women that want that. They want that, and they're the women that mm-hmm. have that. They want that. That's not something that happened overnight for them. I lifted a weight, and now my my you know muscles are popping out. Whoops! Yeah, no, it's not like that, you know. And in similar regard, I'll flip the script there. One of the other ones that pisses me off really bad are people that they jump on the bandwagon and enable others to be brought down. I don't expect anyone to be a bodybuilder at all. I don't expect anyone to like this lifestyle is a whole different ball monster. You know, you don't. Yeah. But. I think it's very important to have physical health and just like be the healthiest version of you. However that is, you know, maybe somebody wants to be active or, or a marathon runner or bike riding, or, or do you just want to be simply a little more active and eat healthy food? That's fine too. Yeah. But the people that frustrate me really bad are the ones who I've seen this on social media so much where somebody will post something about their progress or a, a plan or this or that. And then the, you have the, one person that comes in and says, it's not like that for everyone. Like every, you know, so many people, this just happens for you. I can't ever do that. I've tried this and I'd never have make any progress at all. And then you have all their people joining in. It's like you have this one bad apple come in mm-hmm. and just poison the well and like get everyone just demotivated. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 because I will tell you, and I've said this time and time again, you can say I'm an arrogant prick for it. I will put every penny of Everything that I've ever owned in my life, I will put my entire life on this fact that if somebody like that were to do exactly what I said for 90 days, exactly, no variation, you do exactly what I say, I will guarantee you and I would write any check for any amount of money that you will make progress. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen tomorrow and it's not going to happen the first week. You might even go backwards for the first week because some of the adjustments that we make to dieting might actually make it so your body starts getting fuel and trying to jumpstart a metabolism. You might actually put on two or three pounds from retention or something, right? Because your body's not used to being healthy or being treated right. Yeah. And then 90 days later, you'll be in a completely different spot. But that pisses me off so bad when you have that one person come in and say, no, that person's special. There's something special about them and not mm-hmm. me and not all of us. Right. Oh, yeah. It grinds my gear because it enables all these people to feel like they're a victim now to themselves when it's like, yeah. It, it can be a hard spot to get out of that. I think that victim mindset and then like getting stuck by your own limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. it can just be a hole. It's so debilitating. Yeah. yeah. And it also can it push you into, yeah, it, it is a hole. Same thing mm-hmm. with like depression and stuff too. I don't want to act like I have all the answers, but one of the best ways for me to get out of the depressive ruts was to just try and find value and, and start doing certain things. Because mm-hmm. um, I did struggle with that through my early 20s a lot, a lot of anxiety and depression. Anxiety was combated through confidence building one step That's at a time. That's huge. And yeah. uh, I guess pursuit and trying to find mastery in the things. Now, I get a little bit anxious here and there, but like for the most part, you when you build confidence, that anxiety goes away. You'll notice in social settings, right? You can, I'm still goofy mm-hmm. as fuck. I'm really, really strange. I get it. I'm a goofball. But like I'm confident in my abilities in a lot yeah. of areas. So although I'm goofy, I know what I have, what value I have to provide. Yep. So I'll just be goofy and hang out with people and I don't feel that crippling anxiety. Yeah. Depression I struggled with a lot and I think that was just because I'd get in ruts of 
once you let that start, that snowball start, it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. And I would get myself in a rut and I'd just think down upon myself and then I wouldn't take action. But the second that I started taking action and, and pursuing whatever it is, any goal, pick a goal or a, a hobby, yep. just get after it. And it, it pulls yeah. you out of that, you know? So you create value in your life through effort and depression kind of doesn't stand a chance if you get really good at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, there are triggers to different types of depression. When Colton passed away or when like grief, that's right. a different depression and that's a monster of its own. <clears throat> I mm-hmm. I feel for anyone that's going through that right now, man. I've, I've yeah. talked to so many people through that process. It's such a, such a monster. Yeah, it is. I feel like there's like no timeline for it or no like... There's no guide. No guidebook for but it. I will say, please, if you're going through that, it's not the drugs and the alcohol, and it's it's the positive coping. Mm-hmm. Find your circle of people. You know, confide in them. Yeah. Find your healthy outlets, and yeah, it'll help a lot. So. Yeah. Maybe pick a way to try and honor them. That's, yeah. Honestly, I like that's that. Very helpful to me. I really like that. Yeah, I'll publish a book in in Colton's honor, and I'll I'll try and go pro in Ace's honor, and. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's awesome is there anything we didn't touch on there's a lot of stuff we can talk about i know anyway. there's yeah. so much <laughs> as far as your podcast i think we hit some really good points um, i think we did too yeah i think it was a really yeah. good conversation yeah is there nice to talk to you nice to i know nice to splurge on some of that shit too but uh, yeah it's awesome because you never know what people are going through even if they're i mean super freaking close to you like mm-hmm. you being my brother you know you never know like how you're thinking through things or processing through different things until you have conversations like this, you Absolutely. know? But that's also yeah. why like the authenticity I was talking about earlier, that's mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. You know how many people have come out to me because when I was doing those silly, goofy, authentic things or yeah. the, the Facebook stories, yep. the amount of conversations I had, it blows my mind Yeah, because I was willing to look like an idiot. I don't care. You know, that's another thing. If you want a really good point on helping yourself out to get moving on stuff, quit giving a shit what people think about mm-hmm about you rather you know yeah you that that's a crippling one if you want to yeah. make if you want to take action stop worrying what other people think because you yeah. get paralyzed and just yeah i did find that just being goofy and being myself yeah of people that were willing to reach out i was using the the ridiculous ones as an icebreaker rather and still answering those and i noticed that after a couple weeks of doing that the people that were asking the ridiculous ones were now asking real stuff about hey this is something i'm really struggling with and I'm going to let you know some yeah. deep stuff about my life. Yeah. That was kind of cool to watch. And then it would start a really long conversation. And That is cool. It's almost like a test of like, you know, let me just see what kind of response I get. And then like, okay. Like it kind of opens that door to allow for vulnerability. Yeah. Because when, when you're wearing a mask and you're acting yeah. like somebody you're not, no one wants to talk to that person. Nobody no wants to, to talk to that. Yeah, yeah. No one feels comfortable around that. So I feel like you give such good advice and you're such a mentor yeah, in thank life. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like you've learned things from other people that you Absolutely. like carry with you? I'm dumb. I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm a combination of other people that are way smarter than I am that have done way cooler things than I am. 100%, man. That's all mentors. It's, uh, I take people that I admire and I look to them for things that they're doing and, and the way that they hold themselves and carry themselves through life. Mm-hmm. Anything I've learned is just a, an adaptation of what somebody else has taught me. You know. Yep. Yeah, I have my own I philosophies. I think for myself often, I, I never try to take something immediately and and that's truth but uh, i do definitely try to think on my own and really understand something before i would especially ever tell it to somebody else i want to make sure like one of my big rules and logan and i talked about this he actually made a whole entire post about this but i 100 percent agree with him that 
I will never have an opinion on a perspective unless I can see it from the other person's shoes. I will never have a fully formed opinion unless mm -hmm. I can 100% tell myself I can put myself in their shoes and I can see it from their perspective. And now that I've done that, yes, my assessment I feel is accurate, right? Because we do, there are some very strong opinions out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of gray area in some of that. Yeah. There are some things that I am, like one of my firm beliefs that we've talked about here is the I, the concept of like comfort zones and things. And maybe I'm a little abrasive with my approach sometimes and like very, you know, work hard, don't, you know, don't be a pussy, yada, yada, yada. But I think there is definitely something. I am absolutely certain that things like comfort and coddling are only uh, inhibitors to growth, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the... <clears throat> Again, it goes back to that plant thing, man. You can put a plant in the most perfect, perfect environment, but if you leave it stuck in a pot and it's too small for its roots to grow, mm -hmm. you know, it's not going to be able to flourish. You yeah. can also take a, a plant that's struggling and, you know, uh, yeah. My plants are a really cool analogy to look at human growth. They are, yeah. That being said, a perfectly cared for plant in a perfectly established environment mm -hmm. with really meticulous grooming and training and stretching – that plant is going to be a kick-ass plant and it's going to thrive. Yeah. Just bringing it back to bodybuilding specifically, there's a lot that goes into it. And I just want to like be fully authentic since we're being pretty vulnerable and real on this Yes. right now. Um, hormones. Yeah, hormones. So <laughs> you take testosterone that yep. helps you. Yes. Um, but can you like explain what you know about it? Because I don't know much about it. Absolutely, yeah. So there is... Uh, TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, and even uh, just hormone replacement ter therapy, HRT, are becoming much more common. Um, in the bodybuilding world, it is very, very rampant, and there is the problem of abuse. So um, finding that line between, uh, obviously, bodybuilders are going a little beyond just natural testosterone replacement therapy, but you never want to abuse and cause serious health issues. I am relatively new to actually using myself. This is a very recent thing for me. Um, I had been training naturally all the way up until about 28 and now just recently since getting into shortly thereafter Asa getting into mm -hmm. actually using it. Cause I said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going pro. Yeah. Um, so obviously I, there's no way I can do that without trying yeah. to get a little bit of the same competitive edge. Yeah. That being said, I am very, very slow with the approach. Uh, very cautious. I have a good coach who's been working on a lot of things with me with that. So there is just testosterone and then there are compounds and other steroids that are much more intense than just testosterone. Granted, testosterone is a very powerful compound or very, com very powerful hormone that can be used at very large dosages. So the difference of 250 milligrams of testosterone and two grams of testosterone is massive. Yeah. One of them is going to potentially give you very, very serious side effects. And the other one, you're going to take a 50 or 60 year old man and give him a healthy hormonal level of testosterone. I think if we're going to talk about this, the most important thing to just mention on it is safety. Okay. There is a proper way to do things and an improper way to do things. The proper way is to go get blood work, to work with a professional, to make sure that all of your levels are staying within the ranges that are of health, right? Uh, there is an unhealthy way to do this where you just go and take a shitload of drugs and you can give yourself a heart attack or serious long term side effects, right? It is a very, very big deal. Your hormones are very powerful. The things that you're putting in your body will cause changes forever. I'll never be the same again in my life. And likely after, by the time that I do go pro, I will be on TRT for the rest of my life. That's just mm -hmm. something that I've decided. Granted, the pros of that, I mean, testosterone replacement therapy has gotten very, very well established now. There's a lot of good research on it. As far as TRT goes, 
not many side effects that are big cons, you know, especially what the guys are doing at 40s and 50s with just like they're they're just doing low dose testosterone replacement therapy. Harsh compounds, got to be careful. This is the stuff that people are dying over, right? And that's a very long list. I mean, if you want to go down that, we could, but it's a lot of information there. Yeah. So... No, that's a good little intro. What about how can people maintain safety when they're actually like weightlifting and in the gym? As far as injury goes, injury mm-hmm. risk? Yeah. Oh boy, yes, that's a great one. Uh, proper warm-ups and, and work outside of training. Uh, one thing that I love about, like I was saying with Granville, what they're doing there is all the soft tissue work and yoga classes with the athletes, and that's going to be huge. My number one thing as a power lifter when I was getting injured often was because I was neglecting my soft tissue work and like my stretching, my mobility work. Like, oh, I'm feeling okay today. Well, it doesn't matter when you do it all the time because your body needs that, you know? And yeah, don't, so don't neglect the little things that make a huge difference. And then proper warm up and just make sure your form is really good. One of the fastest ways to get yourself hurt is by doing partial reps or you know, ego lifting where you shouldn't be moving that kind of weight anyways. Obviously you need to use resistance that is going to force you to grow, but put your ego aside. That, that mm-hmm. should leave the second you leave or enter the gym. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, hormones, big thing. Like I said, if anyone's going to touch any of that stuff, do a lot of research and go get a professional involved, get your blood work, know where you're at and mm-hmm. do it the right way. Cause and like you said too, I mean, it's a commitment for the rest of your life and mm-hmm. that was something that you considered. Yep. And... Put also, thought I into. didn't touch it. And that's why I never touched it through yeah. all of my years natural. And and what's funny is a lot of people accuse me of this for, especially when I was 19 bodybuilding, they're like, oh, he's taking gear. Yeah. And I ended up winning natural, man. I, yep. What Isabella and her boyfriend, Nate, you know, to these younger bodybuilders that I know, they're both professionals in the LCB natural. They look great. They've It's just t- discipline and hard work, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I got accused. But now it's like, you, you don't even have to accuse me anymore. It's very obvious when, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm not natural anymore. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah. that being said, though, too, so if you're younger, this is a great point. If you're younger, do not touch this stuff until you're at least in your mid-20s or if unless you have like a very serious committed goal that you know you're going to be doing and you don't need that much. The way that my body responded at 28 because I'd never done this before, Yeah. I am on half or a third of any of the things that my competitors are taking and very rapidly outpacing some of them. Yeah. Okay. My first year in, yeah, I looked like shit. Second year came back, jumped up a whole weight class, looked great, placed in the middle. Third year, I jumped up an entire weight class again, put on 20, 20 pounds of lean mass. All the guys I was competing against are now st- like behind me. Like mm-hmm. I, was yeah. pro- I was progressing very, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because just a little bit of this went a very long way for me because I trained for over a decade naturally, yeah. maximizing my natural potential, right? yeah. getting my body used to that. So something about that thing where like not giving advice or whatever, unless you're like in the, like you can see yourself in those person's shoes. Mm -hmm. Something I say all the time is like, I won't give directions for like a place I haven't been. I love it. Like, (laughs) um, you know, what's funny about this whole coaching thing now. I made a very, very clear point to all of my athletes that I'm here as a friend, a mentor, anyone for anything you're struggling through. You know, um, I have, wildly successful business friends. I have uh, famous athletes, professional athletes that I know that are friends, um, musicians. I also Mm -hmm. have drug addicts and alcoholic friends, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I have friends who have killed themselves. I have friends who are struggling and and recovering. So like the point there is I, I 
won't judge you for anything. Yeah. There's nothing that those kids can tell me that's going to be like, oh, shock. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Yeah. I will judge you for nothing. Yeah. Come to me with anything you're going through. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll give you a very unbiased opinion or if I don't have an answer for you, I'll get you an answer. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to judge you for shit that you're going to tell me. Yeah. You know? One of the best things you could do is just be a non-judgmental person because then like people are going to come to you with things that they're so ashamed of or like so scared of quite honestly Mm -hmm. like a lot of it is just fear especially like in those younger teenage years it's like it's scary out there they're going through some of the stuff that i went and searched out myself i wouldn't have told the fucking person Mm -hmm. because i didn't trust them there were a couple people that i respected that maybe i did but yeah i want to earn their respect and let them know that they can come to me you know and that's the only way you're going to get those kids to open up is if they feel they can trust you and they respect you and mm-hmm. that you understand them too. Yeah. You're not going to be an asshole, you know. So, right. Right. Um, and already I had a couple of them, you know, messaging me and saying stuff. And you know, one of them was really funny to me, though, because the young man was talking about girl problems. And I was like, I don't know if I'm the guy, but <laughs> I don't know. You should see my track record the last few years, man. But I will tell you that is one thing that I'm so, in the end, so grateful for, man, those cycles. And, yeah. And they're there for a reason. They are. The universe is going to keep showing you time and time again mm-hmm. until yeah. you learn. I know. So. I have a th- little hippie theory that's like we're brought here to learn specific lessons. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of our meaning. That's like my own little that's, no, belief. That's, that's, but that's a belief that I share with you. So Yeah. Hippies are onto things pretty often. <laughs> I think they are. Yeah. <clears throat> no doubt. Yeah. Okay. So one last thing that we did talk about yesterday mm-hmm. in conversation that I kind of want to just reiterate because it was pretty impactful was when it comes to coaching Mm -hmm. and just showing all of your student athletes like how transferable these skills can be from bodybuilding or powerlifting or whatever it may be to like out into real life and how like you experience those times of pain and stuff when you're working out. Yes. And it's like that can be transferable to any sort of uncomfortability mm-hmm. in your life so can you like dive in because i feel like the 100%. way you articulated it was like better i don't know if yesterday it's be the same but i mean at the end of the day pain yeah. and suffering is a part of life and difficulty adversity it's never gonna leave you can you can dream up a perfect life all you want right you can dream up a utopia it's just not real you're gonna always have difficulty adversity uh, adversity and suffering but when you harden yourself and you continue building that confidence and pushing yourself past your, your limiting beliefs and those barriers that you have mentally set for yourself, you gain confidence and you continue to do that. So through that practice of just learning to push through pain and getting better at it, it makes everything else in the much easier, right? Because life ain't going to be, it's not going to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. Life's going to beat the hell out of you. And if you can't get strong and realize that you're going to have to fight through this yourself, then good luck out mm-hmm. there. Cause it's the biggest thing I wanted to learn. Like I said, I don't, I don't, they're all going to get strong. Sweet. I want you to learn right. to overcome fear and believe in yourself and push through pain because life is going to be a lot meaner than I can be as a coach. I can tell you that right now. And if you get weak and you give up when times get tough and you just, you're always used to throwing in the towel because it's hard. Uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult. So, mm-hmm. If anything, that's probably the biggest. I know I told you earlier um, what the biggest thing I've learned from this is, but honestly, if anything, from from bodybuilding is just the overcoming and always, always just doing whatever you have to do, no matter what it is, man. Like, 
in this last contest prep, I had so many back to back 16 to 18 hour days that that was just no matter what I had to do, I had to do it because it needed to be done. Yeah. And I will not miss. And I did not miss for six months, man. And that was the coolest, most empowering feeling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So empowering and so much confidence that comes from that and just showing up for yourself. Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, the uh, just even setting an alarm clock and making mm-hmm. sure you get up for it. The fastest way that you can start building that confidence in yourself is being accountable to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to become your own best friend. That's something else I'd love to touch on in that journey. Like I learned I didn't, for 30 years, I was never my best friend. Mm-hmm. By the end of that process, I was going out to solo dates, traveling the country alone, experiencing life. And I got to ask Matt when I'd go fly out to Colorado or California, bro, what do you want to do today? Yeah. You know, and I'd go hang out with myself and that, sure. I'd get a lot of cool conversations, with random strangers and things throughout my days, but like it was my adventure. Yeah. And I'd never... And I, I learned to accept myself for all of my faults. I'm a, we were all goofy humans with so many mm-hmm. faults, but I learned to just love myself. And that felt so, so yeah. good, man. Like, yeah. I want to I cry thinking about it. Like, of course. That's it was some, such a process. Yeah. Shadow work right there. So much. Loving like, all parts. Diving into hell. Like you have mm-hmm. to go. It sucks. If, if anyone else is like trying to pursue that, when it hurts and when it sucks and when you're crying and ripping your hair out and like struggling that is when you're you're in the thick of it and that's good yeah um (laughs) i'm sorry but that's good because that's and once you've gotten there you can be okay with that you know and you can you can learn to love yourself and keep pushing forward man but yeah talk about a journey that was holy shit yeah going through hell and back you know Mm -hmm. you made it out yeah we always do Mm -hmm. we always do you know yeah. That's the thing. Pain always subsides, you know. It's tough. Yeah. tough. But it always comes to an end. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I feel like the more you do it, the more you understand that, like, it comes and it goes and, yeah. And it's not going to stop. It's yeah. It's keep on happening. So get good yep. at handling that pain. Mm-hmm. Get, get, on the, get good at pushing through. <laughs> Excuse yeah. Excuse me, the coffee's yeah. making my throat all Pushing night. through. Yeah. yeah. Is there any... Last words. I, don't know. I feel like that about? was great. Yeah, it was good talking to you. Yeah, I know. It was really good talking to you, too. Uh, once Nikki's on, we need to mm-hmm. hang out and, and get yeah. together and talk, catch up on life. Yeah, other than that, I mean, it was, it was good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. It felt a little bit therapeutic to share a lot of this last few years with me. With yeah, you, it's a, I'm glad. It's a hell of a journey, man. It's well, been a lot. I'm glad, and I'm glad you were willing to share it all for yeah. me, but also for everybody. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed listening and want to help support us, it would be great if you could leave us a rating and leave us a review. It means so much to us. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Lightly Salted Podcast if you want to stay in the loop on everything happening behind the scenes. Have a great week, everybody, and talk to you next Thursday. Mm-hmm.